Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. That's me, Ryan Rothstein, host of The Fix here, AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio, taking you up till 1 a.m. And plenty to get into here before we chill and make our bets over the weekend as Big Ten action underway with Wisconsin and Illinois kicking things off tonight and then big slate of games tomorrow in college football. But the Eagles... Of course, get the win. After two weeks of moral victories, I put that in air quotes. I guess now we can call it, John, a moral loss. But the bottom line is they get the win. And your first place Philadelphia Eagles at 2-4-1 and one have a couple extra days now to rest and get ready for Dallas in a big matchup uh, before they have a bye week. So, John... Where do we start? You were at the game. We talked to you last night live from the link. And uh, a lot to get into between Deshaun Jackson and his brief return and much more. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn. Uh, I think when I was on, the, the Giants were leaving, but I said they would lose the game. So I think it's interesting. Um, you mentioned moral victory. Uh, against uh, Baltimore, perhaps, maybe even against Pittsburgh. But, you know, I think the exact opposite. While you do have to give credit to Carson Wentz, certainly in Boston Scott at the end of the game, that was an amazing throw, amazing catch. I mean, the Giants lost that game. Uh, if you look at Daniel Jones, perfect throw himself on, on third down, just over two minutes left in the game. Evan Ingram doesn't come down with the football. If he does, the game's over. The Giants win. We're having a completely 
different discussion. Um, and that's what the Giants are, man. They're they're a bad football team. So I, yeah, it, it's tough to look at it and say much changed. Uh, I think the Eagles beat a bad football team, twenty-two to twenty-one, in a bad division. They're in first place. It is what it is. I can't get too excited about it. I don't. I don't know how you feel. No, I, I'm not excited about it at all. And there's people. Oh, you're you're a hater of Carson Wentz, Ryan. And you're, a, <laughs> dude. No, I'm not. Like I. I, I Personally, I'm going to pat my own back. I, I call it how I see it. And the people out there, I respect the fans that want to keep it positive. There's not many of them that do. So I respect those that, that are trying to be positive. But the past two weeks, I teased it a couple minutes ago, everyone's saying, well, those are those are two Super Bowl teams, Steelers and Ravens. And they had chances. Well, and, and I think that was positive, by the way. And that's what I said on the show. Those were positive performances right but then even though they were losses right this was not a positive performance even though it was a win exactly so that's that would that's my long-winded explanation is okay fine you want to do that then last night should not have went down that way last night a team of not a great team but if the eagles were half decent you're not in that situation You, you put that team away in the first half oh yeah i i mean they played I, if you if you want to go sixty minutes of football and take out the first drive in the last five minutes of the game, essentially the fifty of the sixty minutes they were they were terrible, um, and that's the only reason the Giants were in the football game. The Giants had a chance to win the football game. Uh, so you know it, it is tough, and that's what Brandon Graham said after the game to us on Zoom. It's it's tough to win in the NFL, and that part is true. And you take the win by hook or by crook, uh, but I'm not going to make more out of it than it is. Um, the offensive line was poor. You know, people, I, I thought Carson continues to play uh, better. I think that's a positive overall. There was the one um, really bad interception. Uh, no question about that, but I think overall, especially playing behind that offensive line, um, his performance was a positive. So I, I think there were positives inside the game. Travis Fulgham obviously continues to play pretty well. I thought Richard Rodgers came out of nowhere. He was the guy who had a big game. The, the Giants played a lot of zone defense, and Eagles were able to take advantage of it. Uh, so there were positives, but, I mean, that is a really, really bad football team. You're talking bottom five in the league. Um, and maybe, you know, they'd be in conversation if they're co-tenant at MetLife Stadium. I mean, Jets are the worst team in football, but they're in the conversation to be the second worst team in football. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, they even make tackles for you. I mean, Daniel Jones tackles himself right, to <laughs> avoid a touchdown. So how much better yeah, that was Yeah, that was actually great. That, that was amazing. That showed off the athleticism. I, I don't yeah. think people understand how athletic, uh, Daniel Jones is, but he was just cooking. Uh, he tripped himself up. It, it's pretty amazing. Uh, that sums up the Giants. And then you look at the play. That's what you want from a second-year quarterback. That's what I wrote on Sports Illustrated about that play. That play changed um, changed the game. That's exactly what you want if you're Joe Judge. You want your your young quarterback to make that 
big-time throw in that big-time situation. And then, you know, Evan Ingram, who's also a former first-round pick, just drops the football, just drops it. And, again, if he he catches it, if he catches that, game's over, Ron. Game's over. Yeah. I agree with you. And, listen, it's the NFL. And if it hits you anywhere on your hands, it's a drop. All right? That's – Anyone who's played football, you understand that. But he, it was a tiny bit overthrown. I mean, it, he was extended. And uh, it was I, on the I, I, don't, I don't agree. I, no? I thought, and, and, and after the game, everybody, everybody from the Giants' perspective, um, you know, Jones and, and, and Judge tried to uh, protect. They're not Adam Gates. They did try to protect Ingram. Ingram himself, he said, uh, that was terrible. He admitted. He copped to it. Yeah. Um, uh Brandon Graham said, thank you. <laughs> he took advantage. I, I mean, no, that's an NFL player, and that's a first-round pick. That's what I'm saying. That's not mm-hmm. some slub. Uh, that's a, supposed to be a talented guy. That is an easy, easy, easy reception for a high-level NFL player. He dropped the football. Anybody trying to say anything else is wrong. All right. All right, then. It's a drop. Um, <laughs> let's talk more about Carson Wentz because 12 interceptions, another bad one last night. The throw to Boston Scott, I mean, it, it that literally could not have been any better. Perfection is an understatement and brought that team back once again, but this time to win the game. Like, I, I don't know what we have here. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but I just – He's so inconsistent. I know that's a little bit of a product of the injuries, but just talk about what you think of him right now. Well, it is inconsistent. I think it's a product of a couple things. Uh, his DNA as a quarterback, we talked about it a lot. He just yeah. likes, he doesn't like to give up on plays. He just doesn't. And that leaves you susceptible um, to turning the football over. Typically in the past, though, it's been the fumbles in the pocket, which have been the bigger issues. Never had a big problem with interceptions before this season. And that, I think, is a direct correlation to the, all the issues on the offensive line. And it's, to be honest, that part of it's understandable. At times, he's um, shaken. You know, he's a tough guy, not not from that perspective. He stands in the pocket. He takes the punishment. Uh, but sometimes when he does have a clean pocket, he, he's seeing ghosts, as they call it, because he assumes the pass rush is going to get there because it always gets there. And it, I, I think it's in his head a little bit, and that's because of all the injuries on the offensive line, all the changes. Yesterday it was Sua Opeta having his first NFL start. He was not good. Uh, I thought Jordan Mailata had his worst game uh, since he became a starter. Marcus Golden uh, was so good, the Cardinals traded for him today. <laughs> uh, he he really uh, kind of dominated Jordan at times. Um, so I, I think that is just part of that attrition on the offensive line. And maybe that's one of the positive things. You're you're going to slowly get a little bit healthier at some point. Jason Peters is getting closer. Um, Isaac Sayamala is going to be back at some point. And maybe you can calm some of those issues down. 
Lane Johnson's not as bad as expected. Um, grade one sprained MCL, so uh, those extra three days are going to help him uh, to try to get ready for Dallas. But um, maybe they can calm some of that offensive line, some of those offensive line issues down. Uh, but I think that's the biggest problem when you're talking about the unevenness with Carson Wentz, especially when it comes to throwing the football. As I said, with those those forced fumbles, I mean, he's always been that way. He's always going to hold on to the ball, and that part is is frustrating. I think it's going to be it's going to continue to be frustrating. Talking with John McMullen as we do every every night right here on the Fix for your football fix. Follow him on Twitter at JF McMullen Sports Illustrated and Philly Voice. Uh, Want to get to the injuries here in a little bit. Wide receivers, high tower, another big catch. But I want to ask you first just about the overall play calling and and what you thought because Twitter loves to just you know they don't convert on a third down. Oh, good job, Doug. <laughs> like uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I I always say this, and I've said it to you. I, I and nobody can understand it, and fans don't understand it, which to me is understandable. But even media people, even people who cover the game, don't understand it. That uh, surprises me. Nobody, I say it all the time, I'll say it for the day I'm done covering the sport, people do not grade play calling. They grade results. They have no idea if it's a good play call. Think about it. I know. You have no idea. It it could be the failure of a play could be because Suo Peta got run over and is on skates. Might be a great play call. You'll never know. Because Marcus Golden is blitzing by Jordan Mailata. How do you know it's a bad play call? If, if he executes and blocks uh, the edge rusher. So you're grading the result of a play. I, I think the biggest play that people had a problem with was the fade to Hakeem, Hakeem Butler on fourth down. Um. And that I think you can criticize, not necessarily the play call, but if you're watching the game, he didn't know where he was lining up. That was his first live rep since coming to the Eagles. Uh, he, he, went, he went to the wrong side of the field. He clearly didn't understand what he was supposed to do. So at that point, I think it's fair to say to Doug Peterson, okay, you probably should have called timeout. You probably could have scrapped it because it wasn't going the way you would uh, drew it up. That kind of stuff, I think, is legitimate. Or if you even want to go a more existential route and say, okay, the guy has never played before. Why is he getting uh, the target on the most important play um, of the game to that point? That, I think, is fair. But people who say they're they're judging play calling. They have no idea. I, there's, there's no, there's no way you have any idea. No. So you're judging results. And by the way, the other way, Ryan, you could have a bad play call, and it works because of a, say, the spectacular mm-hmm. ability of an individual player on a certain play. It might be a bad play call, and it might work. Right. And for me, people should understand that. Like a, a lot of people, the two-point failed conversion as well, where they put, I think they put Ward in motion again, 
and Wentz kept it. But that was that was a great play call. They just didn't convert. That was the the touchdown that they scored to Greg Ward. It was the same play, but different. Like that touchdown set up that play call. So people criticizing that failed two point conversion, like you don't understand calling plays. Doug is calling plays to set up future plays. So like people saying that's a bad play call. No, that's actually a great play call. It just they just didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all about execution. You know, you go back to the to the failed two point conversion against Baltimore. Everybody's oh, that's a horrible play call. Why why you you doing a, a a zone read and and you know Richard Rodgers missed the block. You know if he gets over it and gets his block, you don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it works and it's a great play call. That was a, one of, one of my favorites because I got into it. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was Penn State, Ohio State, and and it was a really close game. And James Franklin called his own read and on fourth down. Trace McSorley was quarterback, got blown up. Um, and people are just saying, "What a terrible play call!" And I'm saying, "Okay, now Penn State spends all its time practicing that." That's what they are. That's what they run. That's what they spend their entire practice time doing. That's what they're good at. And that's what they run in the most high leverage situations. But what do people want? What do people, they don't want to, they want them to run some wild Bill Walsh West Coast motions all over the place that they never practice. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Execution is what it's about in this league. And I go back to Sean McVay and his, his, which I love this, and I constantly say it, the illusion of complexity. He admits he's trying to fool you all. He admits it. You think it's complex. Right. The coach himself calls it the illusion of complexity. I, I talk about it with Andy Reid. You saw that. He's been running that shovel pass since 1999. <laughs> and he ran it the other the other week with Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick threw a little flare on top of it. And people said, wow, how innovative is, is that? He's been running it for two decades. Right. Two decades. Same play. It's, it's, it's amazing. And the play calling, the fans bitching and moaning about it, it it's just... It's never going to go away. Uh, all right, so let's let's get to some injuries, as we do every single night, every single week, right here on the Football Fix. Um, Deshaun Jackson, welcome back, and then see you later. Talk about him and then Lane Johnson. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you, you got to feel bad for Deshaun. I, I, I joked about it uh, being, you know, another hamstring, and, and that's not serious. Obviously, that was a, a, a cheap shot, uh, and he got injured, um, and he's going to be out for. And I, I, to be honest, I think that might be the last time you ever see him in, a, in an Eagles uniform. I, I don't think he's going to be back this year. Um, the Eagles aren't going to rule him out for the season, but they say he's going to be out for a significant period of time. Um, it is what it is. I mean, he's played, I think, seven games, and really. But you know, not even seven games because a couple of them he just played a few plays. 
Uh, it just hasn't worked out. And unfortunately, the Eagles are going to have to turn the page. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, as I mentioned uh, last week on the show, when Jalen Rager does come back, and I think that's going to be after the bye week. Um, I'd rather have him on the field anyway. So then you talk about Travis Fulgham has earned his right to be on the field, and Greg Ward will be in the slot. So I don't think you necessarily need Deshaun Jackson when Jalen Rager was back anyway. Uh, so from a football standpoint, that's the positive. You do have to feel sorry for him. He, did, uh, he was impactful, especially early in the game. Um, then the Eagles kind of went away from him um, uh, through that middle that I talked about, the 50 to 60 minutes that were basically awful. Uh, he wasn't involved much at all. Um, yeah, but um, he's in and he's out, and now you got to start looking. You'll probably, as I said, you're not going to get Jalen Rager back. There's an outside chance he could be back for Dallas, but I doubt it. Uh, especially with that uh, bye week after that. I think the Eagles are going to be cautious, um, and and then he should be returning. So until then, it'll be John Hightower. And, you know, you're going to get what you get from John Hightower. Maybe a big play each week, but there's not going to be any consistency. So uh, Rager will be the more important part of that. And Lane Johnson... Hey, he's going to try to play against the Cowboys, that guy. <laughs> of course. Uh, I mean, he, he's got a sprained MCL on top of the ankle. Uh, but it, it's not a serious MCL sprain. You have those grades. Uh, it's the most um, – uh, it, it's the best grade, grade one. So it, it's the best it could have been. Um, and he's just – in the conversation to be the toughest guy in the world. So if he does miss one game, it'll just be one game, and then he'll be back. I actually heard he's fighting in the undercard tomorrow for UFC 245. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think they could find an opponent for him. I, I just, you know, if you gave – remember, Lane's got three extra days, so I joked if, you, if he had knee replacement surgery, he might get back on the field against the Cowboys <laughs> or at least try. Um, I, I mean, in in some ways, I think the Eagles should be more cautious. As I said, they they had planned uh, that he was not going to play uh, against the Giants until Jack Driscoll got hurt. Then they needed him to play, uh, and he gave it a go, and he, he got hurt again early with the ankle. Remember, he left for a few plays and then came back. And then later he sprained the MCL and had to leave again. So it, it's been that kind of year for Lane. It's going to continue to be that kind of year. I still think the bigger problem is actually the ankle, to be honest. Um, but he's just, he's, if he can play, I say it all the time, if you leave it up to him, he's going to try to play. Travis Fulgham again last night. I, I know you touched on it, but I just want to get a little bit more in depth. I mean, he is... John, am I overreacting to say he's a legit number one receiver in the NFL, not just on the Eagles? Well, he has been for three games. I, I mean, I do think yesterday was his worst game. So he, he did uh, kind of come back at least a little bit. But he certainly, 
I, I'm not going to say he's the number one receiver in the NFL. I'll, I'll, I, you know, if you look at the top tier receivers, he's 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 not in that group. But he has been the clear um, top receiver on this team. There's no question about it. It's not even close. It's not even an argument anymore. Uh, he got double digit targets again. Uh, wasn't as impactful as he had been, but still made some plays. Made the big play as well, the forty-yard gain. Um, so he's he's doing some great things, and there's no question he's been the best receiver on this team. I, again, I'm not going to compare him to no. the really top-tier receivers in this league, but uh, he's been a breath of fresh air for this particular team. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's clear that Carson Wentz has more confidence in him than any other receiver. And that includes Deshaun Jackson when he was healthy. And that includes Jalen Rager, the first-round pick. And that includes Alshon Jeffrey, who's never going to play if, he, if Travis continues to, to play the way he's playing. He's the best receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's what I said. I mean, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good because the Eagles didn't see this coming. Uh, nobody saw it coming. I'm not trying to criticize him. Yeah, but this has been a theme with with certain players, Nate Herbig on the offensive line, Jordan Mailata on the offensive line to a certain degree, even Alex Singleton at linebacker. These are guys who weren't supposed to be better um, than the players they replaced, but they are. Uh, and 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 in some cases, obviously Nate Herbig is not better than Brandon Brooks, but you get the point. Uh, Brandon wasn't healthy, but he, he is better than Matt Pryor. Um, and, and these guys were not expected to be contributors. And all of a sudden they go in. Now there's other players who haven't been that. But, you know, the NFL is supposed to be a meritocracy. Oftentimes it isn't. Uh, and pedigree means a lot. And if you're a first-round pick or a second-round pick, uh, if you have that reputation, you're going to be given chance after chance after chance over guys who aren't supposed to be that. But every once in a while, somebody will get an opportunity like, like Travis did, and he just seized it. And he's better than everybody else on this team. And I don't see it stopping. I really don't. I think he's the best receiver on this team. He just looks like a wide receiver, you know, and that's why I asked that question. He just looks like a guy that, you know, he's fast, he's strong, he catches the ball in coverage, he gets open. Like, he just just seems like an all-around really good pro. So I can't wait to continue to watch him develop. Um, John, real quick here, I want your quick thoughts on Hightower before I give ask for a quick summary on the defensive side of the ball? Well, John can run, I, he, he, and that's what he is at this point. I mean, he's just uh, somebody you're going to throw a deep ball to uh, every month. But you just talked about Travis. Um, I, I don't like that term, looks like a wide receiver, because J.J. looks like a wide receiver. Uh, I mean, Mac Collins looks like a wide receiver. Well, on the field, he looks like Travis him. plays like a tra- – Travis. Right. I know what you're saying. Travis yeah. uh, is this big guy, he's 6'2". Uh, he, he, he does look like a wide receiver, but he also plays like a wide receiver, and he plays 
uh, and he runs routes, and he, and he high points the football, uh, and he does everything that good receivers do. Um, so that's the difference. John is, is very limited at this point as a young player, and he should be. I mean, he, he's a fifth-round pick, and the one sort of trait that he had and the reason he's here is because he can run by people, and he's certainly been able to run by people uh, he doesn't catch the football consistently. He doesn't run routes uh, great, but he is that threat. Um, and now that you have a more well-rounded receiver and you don't need him to have a lot of traffic, that becomes more impactful because you can take two or three shots maybe a game down the field and you don't have to worry about him doing some of the other things because – Travis Fulgham can do that, and and Greg Ward to a lesser extent. So you don't need as much from him now that that Travis has has broken out, and, and that helps uh, John Hightower because now you can focus on his strengths. Yeah, it, it was nice to see him have another big play, and he still has a lot of work to do. He being Hightower, but um, we'll, we'll see what he's able to to turn into. He's going to have the opportunity here in the short term at least. Uh, John, as they say in the biz, we're up against it. So defensive side of the ball talk is going to have to wait. But I want you to preview what you have going on tomorrow on extending the play right here on AM 1490 from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Well, a little bit different this week, Ron, because we don't have a game to preview. So we're going to go into this mini bye week and sort of self-scout the Philadelphia Eagles and where they are. And my good friend Bob Groats will be back from the Delaware County Times and also this week in pro football with the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese. So that's his radio show. He'll be on the show. Everybody should tune in. Extending the play, uh, 10 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, Merrill. I love it. There you go. I'll be tuning in, and uh, so should all of you. Be sure to follow John as well on Twitter at McMullen. And check out his work on phillyvoice.com and on si.com for Sports Illustrated. John, thank you, my friend. Great job this week, and uh, we'll be listening tomorrow morning. All right, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you as always. There he is, John McMullen from Extending the Play from Sports Illustrated from Philly Voice. Yeah, like when I when I said he looks like a wide receiver, I, I agree with what John was saying in his answer. Like, well, a lot of guys look like a wide receiver, um, and I think I just worded it poorly. It's what I was trying to say is he just on the field. <laughs> I mean, he does have the body type, but how he gets open and how he makes plays is just like you know when you're watching a legitimate talent, and Travis Fulgham certainly is. One hour down, two more to go. On the other side, Brad Feinberg from Covers.com. Sports Betting Radio. Listen online at 1490sportsbettingradio.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.